If you've listened to other episodes, you've heard bits and pieces about my life. You might know that I'm American, I live in Germany, I married a Finn, I'm a mom. You know I made this podcast for a reason, but maybe you can't quite put your finger on why. Well, today, I'm the guest. Today, I'll talk about where I'm from, where I am, the path in between. I'll give you some behind-the-scenes looks at balancing cultures, and I'll tell you my favorite part of the balancing. Can I still call it a conversation if I'm talking to myself? Hmm. Either way, welcome to Balancing Cultures. I'm Megan Kitchen. So the podcast. Well, let's do a little bit of background. Why was I even interested in balancing cultures as a subject? What about my upbringing or my past experiences makes me curious about the concept or idea of balancing cultures? I am one of two kids. I am a second child. Read into that what you will. I have an older brother. I'm the younger sister. But it was never really just us two. Throughout our childhood and in every state we lived in, we always had someone else coming in and out of the home. My parents were the type, maybe it's based on their backgrounds, that they liked to take people in and provide for others. And so at one point, my, my dad, both of his brothers lived with us. I remember his colleague living with us at one point. We had three exchange students, one of which wasn't actually supposed to be our exchange student, but her host family had ditched her at the last minute. She was already in the States. And my dad was the exchange student host coordinator. I think that's the title. And so he, we took her in temporarily. And then we just said, oh, why don't you stay with us for the year? She's someone that I still call my sister. I haven't seen her in a long time. Okay, I need to call her. But I, I still call her my sister. Another person I call my sister is someone who got kicked out of her house in high school. And my mom was one of her teachers. And so we took her in. She needed a place to stay and we became her her family. I remember also when I was in high school, I had a friend who had a very difficult home life and decided to start the emancipation process to what, what we were calling at the time divorce his parents so that he could legally be separated from them. And he would crash at our place on the weekends. And those are just the ones I remember. There were probably others who stayed with us maybe when I was younger or that I'm just not thinking of right now. But also on the holidays, you know, maybe people didn't live with us. They didn't come with a suitcase. But for Christmas Eve, we always had people coming in. My cousin Dawn, who lives in San Francisco, I feel like every year she brought someone new who needed an adoptive family for the holidays because they couldn't fly home or they didn't have a place to go. And it made life just so much more interesting to have this variety of people joining to eat good food together and celebrate together. And yeah, that's the way I was raised is our home was open to everyone. What about my parents made that our home culture? That's a good question. It's a question I ask myself. Maybe I should just ask my mom. Well, let's do a quick tangent. So who's my mom? My mom grew up in the Italian neighborhood of Hershey, Pennsylvania. She is the descendant of chocolate workers. Yes, Hershey as in Hershey's chocolate. He built the town for the workers, and that's where my family moved to when they immigrated to America. Although her mom was Irish-American, 
My mom was raised in this Italian neighborhood with Italian traditions and to this day calls herself Italian. She doesn't necessarily say she's 50-50 or she's Irish Italian or anything like that. Either way, she went to Catholic school with nuns. And there are other things in her childhood that maybe she'll share with you all one day that created instability for her. A lot of these things, these cultural elements that probably did influence her adult life and then how she decided our home life would be. And my dad, my dad grew up in the Pittsburgh area, in Monroeville. Most people know it because of the mall. His dad, my grandpa, or Pap Pap, was ex-military. He was in the army for World War II. He was a truck driver, then a bus driver. My grandma, Grandma Joe, was a homemaker and a flea market master. But she was basically at home with the six kids. Six. Three boys, three girls. My dad was in the middle, so it went all three girls, my dad, then two more boys. My dad was the type that wanted to experience other things from a very young age. He worked hard to get scholarships so that he could study abroad in high school in Switzerland. And this was such a big deal. This is the 70s, early 70s. This is, you know, before internet, before anything. I still have ticket stubs and all the paper communication that he had setting all this up. And then the communication back and forth while he's living abroad for a year in Switzerland. It was such a big deal that the newspaper, the local newspaper, ran multiple articles as he was gearing up to leave, while he was there, upon his return, he was kind of a big deal. And then after that, he went to Penn State in the late 70s, and that's where he met my mom. So yeah, my parents had these individual backgrounds, and then they met at Penn State. And like I said, they decided that they would follow work, that they were not attached to Pennsylvania. And that was the last they lived in Pennsylvania. From there, they moved New Hampshire, Massachusetts, all the other states that I've lived in. But in there, before my brother and I were born, they actually lived in Germany for two years. And they moved back as my mom was pregnant with my brother. So they came back just in time. So travel for my dad was always very important. And then he, my mom adopted that. And then they put that on us as kids that by the time we were preteens, we had our passports, we'd gone abroad. My dad really wanted us to understand what's out there in the world and encouraged us to seek out information. And then state to state, even, I felt like there were different cultures that I learned about. I mean, talk about moving from Texas to California. I moved in the middle of fourth grade. That's right when you're really aware of things and different types of people and different types of lifestyles. It was a culture shock, big one. I adjusted to California eventually, and then I think every high school student starts to have these feelings of like, who am I? Where do I fit in? A friend invited me to join a youth group that was in a different valley. In this youth group that was outside of the area where I was growing up and where my school was, I was exposed to racial, cultural, and economic diversity. People who were very different from me. This is where I met the friend who was going through the emancipation process. And I, in a way, was hooked. I was hooked on having interactions with people who were different from me, but that we had this commonality that we were all teenagers trying to figure out life, figure out what was important to us. We would just gather and share our individual experiences and, and find where we overlapped and find where we didn't. And I remember that being such a pivotal thing for me. One, 
that I could look outside of my immediate geographical location, even if it was just the next valley over. I know that sounds so Californian, but the idea of, you know, getting on a freeway, a highway and driving to the next valley to seek out something that I could have gotten locally, I thought, oh, I have a choice. And this was at 15 or 16 years old that I started this. And that influenced then, okay, well then what about for university? And what about for the rest of my life? I have a choice about what I experience and where I go and who I interact with. I don't have to let other people provide those things for me. I can seek them out. And of course, like any high school kid, I tried to find my place in a few different experiences. You know, I I did theater, like I said before. I was a theater kid. I was on the softball team. I was the editor of the yearbook. I was on homecoming court. I got an after-school job the day I turned 16 at a skate shop. And then I was a barista and worked at a bookshop as well. And I was just trying to figure out what's important to me. What do I like? What am I attracted to? And then it was time to pick a university and go to university. Okay, let's talk about it. Um, hmm. I can't tell you about who I am without talking about my dad. In my last year of high school, <laughs> in my last year of high school, in November of that year, I'm in the middle of applying to universities. Life is busy. My dad passed away. It was sudden and completely unexpected. There's also this heartbreaking thing about someone who's like a good person leaving the earth. He was kind and generous and... As I talked about before, he was always seeking to understand other people and seeking to understand the world. And the thought that at 45 years old, his adventure stopped. It's just sad. And of course, I was a dad's girl, so that made it sadder. He was the person I was filing all these papers with to apply to university. He was my advisor. He's someone, he was my sounding board, my travel buddy. And so I started spinning and then I went numb and I was lacking focus, and I'd originally wanted to completely rebel against the Penn State legacy that my parents and my brother had built. My brother was currently at Penn State when this happened. He was in his first year, and I had been accepted at Arizona State University, and that was my intention. And then at the last minute, I thought, well, I don't know what I want from life. I don't know what home is. I don't know how I feel. I'm going to go be with my brother because if I'm going to be somewhere, I might as well set myself up for the chance that I need that. So that's what I did. I ended up at Penn State. And honestly, it's the best decision I ever made because the people I met there, the experiences I had, irreplaceable. I'm sure I would have had those at Arizona as well, but it was just, well, you don't know unless you were there. It's just amazing. It just shows how strange grief is that I went from wanting to rebel against everything and be so individual and find my own space in my own life, my own home, to following the legacy of my parents and wanting to be in physical proximity to my brother. And I'm not going to say that we were best friends. Like, we fought like crazy through middle school and high school. But there was something about being near him that just felt right in that time. Because home had never been a physical place for me. We moved a lot to many different states, and even within those states, sometimes we moved. But the moment my dad died, 
I realized that even the people you call home are not a guarantee. So I needed to start thinking about home for myself. Hmm. Where am I from? This is the question that I hated for the longest time. Because I was flying back and forth to university, I was asked this question a lot from flight attendants or people I was sitting next to. Because I was traveling alone, people talked to you. Where are you from? And even though I had yet to live outside of the U.S., I still struggled with the question because I had grown up in three different states and was currently living in a fourth. So I, I grew up in New Hampshire, Texas, and California, but I was going to Penn State University at the time. So that's north, south, west, and east. Like I was saying, I always hated the question because as someone who grew up in different states and then I was at university in a fourth state and I didn't know how I felt about my future and where I was going to be going to, I never thought, oh, as soon as I'm done, I will move back to California, which was the state my mom was currently living in, and that's where I will make my life. I ended up there for a couple months after university, but I wasn't necessarily fixated on home is this geographical location. Home is this specific place on the map, and when I'm done with my studies, I have to go back to that place. I was interviewing in the D.C. area and Philadelphia, and there was this little part of me that always was looking to Europe or living abroad. Being asked, where are you from? I guess I could have just kept it easy, and I'm sure on some occasions I did, that I was just like, oh, I'm from California, end conversation. Though sometimes then they'd be like, oh, where, you know? But yeah, I don't know. I guess I always felt that it rubbed me a bit the wrong way because... The idea of being from one specific place, that you only get one place to call home, kind of bothered me in a bigger way. And I know that no one ever meant for their question to come off that way. Of course, it was just small talk. So nowadays, if I'm meeting someone new and they say, where are you from? Even as I'm living here in Germany, I would say California. If I know they're asking about where do I come from originally, because I am American, I can't hide that. Even when I'm speaking German, they don't necessarily say I come from America. Actually, I've been told that from multiple people, it sounds like I'm from the Netherlands when I speak German. I don't know what that means. But I say I'm from California. And then it's a rare time that someone will say, oh, where? And then I have to go into it. Funny tangent. My friend Kevin, who I hope is listening, I met him at an Australian bar back in February 2008. He's one of the very first people I met when I moved here. And he heard me talking. And he said, oh, hey, where are you from? And I said, California. And he goes, where? And I said, San Francisco. And he goes, no, you're not. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and he goes, no one's from San Francisco. Where are you from? I said, okay, technically I'm from the East Bay. He goes, okay, where? I said, oh, the, the Tri-Valley. And he goes, where? I said, Pleasanton. And he then like relaxes and smiles and he goes, my sister lives there. And it was so random to run into someone here in Germany, in Munich, who's also American, whose sister is living in the town that I grew up in, which is a small town by California standards. So yes, these days I say, if they're trying to investigate where I'm from, knowing I'm not German, I say California. 
I do. And then if they ask for more details, it's Bay Area, San Francisco area, something like this. I typically don't start with, I'm from the U.S. or from the USA or from America or whatever answer that would be, because it will always lead to where. So I try and jump one or two questions ahead and start with California because it's a recognizable state. I think most people would be able to pick it out on a map because it's coastal. It's easy. It's not one of those middle states that even confuse me. So yes, let's start. Let's let's end this question with saying, if I'm saying where I'm from now, I would say California, specifically East Bay, San Francisco, Northern California. And I grew up in Pleasanton. If you know it, you love it. So that's where I would say I'm from, but where is home? If I'm talking about home now, it's Munich, Germany. It's a place I chose for myself. It's a place where I've developed my career. I got married here. I've had my two kids here. It's a place where I've made my own home because it's where I've made my own choices. I moved here when I was 22, and up until 21, 22, you're kind of on someone else's track. At least in the life that I grew up in and in my demographic, in my neighborhood, and by the kind of American stereotype, you went through high school and then you went to university for four years. And then if you weren't in a serious relationship, you were looking for one, you got married, you had kids, picket fence. Oh, goodness, here we are. Then you're 30. It's all laid out. But at least at 21, 22, when you're done with your bachelor's degree, if you follow that path, after four years of university, you get to make some choices. Maybe your choice is to go home, like I was talking about before. You go back to your hometown, you find a job, you figure it out. Maybe you are in a long-term relationship and you get married and you start working on that relationship and building a family. But I was single. I was not attached to a geographical location as home, I really didn't know what to do with myself. So the question is, how did I end up here? Because I know it's difficult to say home is a place with no extended family, but honestly, that's the way I grew up. My parents chose to follow careers and moved away from my grandparents on both sides. I didn't even see them once a year in my memory. I don't remember seeing them that often. But my parents did a good job of building a family of friends around us as we moved. And then once we got to California, actually, we reconnected with cousins and aunts and uncles who also migrated from the Pennsylvania area over to California. In a way, seeing home as a transferable location or transferable rather than associated with a specific geographical location or even a specific house because we moved so much, I wasn't attached necessarily to a specific house or my bedroom or that backyard that I played in, it made it easier for me to choose a life for myself, regardless of location. So how did I choose Germany? Well, I, d I didn't necessarily pop out of university and go, Germany, here I come, specifically Munich, buy me a ticket. That's, that's not what happened. So after university, I started an internship in corporate America. I came back to California. I was working in Foster City, if you know it. I wore a suit. I sat in a cubicle. I had a beautiful commute over the bridge. And I had high stress. It was maybe a month in. 
I knew I'm not the cubicle type. I need to talk to people. I need to interact with people. I'm a theater kid. I tried to deny that for a long time, but I, I know it now. I am a theater kid in my heart of hearts. So while I was at my desk one day in the cubicle, in my suit, I booked a ticket to Europe. I knew my time was coming, my review after my probation time where they would extend my contract. And I think I was a good worker and I was hearing good reviews that I would get that extension and I needed something to hold me accountable to not take it. So booking this ticket made sure that I had a date when I was leaving the country and it also pushed me out of my comfort zone to go out and try and figure out what I really wanted. So after that summer, I backpacked Europe on my own for two and a half months. And when I came home for Christmas, I just had this feeling that I wasn't done. There was just something still pulling at me. In February 2008, I moved to Munich to live with friends of friends as their au pair for their four kids. Because when I was backpacking, I met them in Munich. I'd never met them before. And I met their four kids and I hung out with them for four nights or something like this. And we just had such a nice connection that half jokingly, but apparently half not, the mom said, hey, if you want a reason to come back, you can be our au pair so we can get you on the books. You can get health insurance that way. You can get a bit of money. You can live with us while you figure things out. And so in February 2008, I took them up on that offer. I went to live with them. I got my taxation number, such a big deal here in Germany. And yeah, I started taking care of these four kids all under the age of eight alongside the mom. And then during the day, I took German classes while they were at school. And then for a bit more spending money, I also became a tour guide, a walking tour guide for the city of Munich and approved tour guide for Dachau Concentration Camp Memorial Site. So it was meant to be about six months of this. It turned into a year. And then I decided, okay, one, it's cold outside because <laughs> this was around Christmas that I stopped touring outside. It gets cold here, very cold. I said, okay, I need, I need a desk job again. And I got one. And then I thought, wait a second, didn't I learn my lesson the first time? I hate a desk job. What am I doing? I stuck with that for about 10 months, but then I started volunteering at an international school while earning my teacher certification because I'd had this moment of self-discovery and I thought, okay, for the longest time, I've told myself I'm not going to be a teacher because my mom's a teacher. And for years, I told myself I'm not a teacher, even though a lot of people had told me I have that natural ability and that, oh, you should be a teacher. I heard that so much. And I said, no, my mom's a teacher. I'm not a teacher. And I pushed back on that, just like I pushed back on Penn State and everything else. I just wanted to be my own person. I didn't want to live my parents' life over again. But I am a teacher. That is a part of me. I don't know what makes someone a teacher or not a teacher, but whatever it is, I have it. At least I believe I do. And so I started volunteering at this international school and earning my teacher certification at the same time to pay rent and pay the tuition for my studies. I started cleaning a house and tutoring kids on the side. From there, I got an intern position, then a teaching assistant position, then I became a teacher. Then I went back and got my master's in special ed. And I've just celebrated 10 years with the same school. I've been there since I was volunteering and I was a substitute teacher. And I love it there. I do. It is the classic tale of 
an expat going abroad for a couple months, and it turns into 12 years. It happens to the best of us, right? And then in the past six years, there have been some big changes as well. I married my husband. He's Finnish. We've now had a son and a daughter. But I constantly have this drive to try new things and take on new challenges. So why did I start a podcast? After everything you've heard now, what was it about a podcast that seemed like the right thing to do with all of my baggage, (laughs) with everything that I'm carrying around and I want to potentially share with people? Why was this the medium that I chose? Well, I didn't, actually. I didn't choose podcast. I, well, let me back up. Why do I have this time? I am a teacher, but I'm currently on maternity leave. With the logistics of two kids under four and the cost of going back to work, I know some of you hear me on that one, it made more sense for me to take more time off until my kids can join my school. But after my second child, a bit with the first, but especially after my second child, my daughter was born, I definitely had baby blues. I would even go as far as to say it was an undiagnosed postpartum anxiety. The best way to function for me is to have a bit of busyness, things that keep me occupied, outlets for creativity. For my mental and emotional health, I needed something to fill this time where I'm not back in my career yet. I completely acknowledge that being a mom, full stop, is a full-time job. It is. I can easily fill my days with home management, the things that children need, and everything that goes along with that. But like I said, for my mental and emotional health, I knew that stacking more things on actually would be beneficial in the end if they gave me the right type of outlet. So it started with reading. I said, okay, I am thirsty for knowledge. I love learning. I'm going to set reading goals for myself. And from reading, I went to writing. Because reading fueled my thirst for knowledge, but then writing gave me the creative outlet that I was looking for. I'm not going to say I'm a writer, but I have always written. Does that make sense? (laughs) So I started writing just for myself, and then I joined this writer's group for support and motivation, and I started sharing a little bit, and I considered, well, maybe I should create a blog. But I hit this roadblock because I would write, and maybe you've been through this even with just a text message, where you write something and in your head it sounds a particular way with tone and emphasis, maybe a bit of sarcasm, and then someone else doesn't read it that way and they take the message in a different way. And that was a big concern for me with my writing because I thought I have a particular energy And I read out loud as I'm editing and I go, oh, yes, oh, and that sounds good. And I put emphasis on this word. And I thought, but that's not how everyone's going to read it. Even myself, depending on which emotion I have day to day and what's happening around me, I may read the same thing differently. And that was a concern for me because I really wanted to make sure my message was clear. And so I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, what if I could make an audio blog? I could have the text there and then I can encourage readers to listen to the audio clip I record, like an audiobook for essays. She looks at me and she goes, like a podcast? So this was in January and then it took me a month or so to process, well, could I do it? 
because being a podcaster involves a lot of technology. And I am a self-declared non-technological person. I get so frustrated with technology, even the littlest things, even my smartphone. I could throw it against a wall sometimes. I get so frustrated. I know I'm not the only one on that one. But by mid-February, I'd convinced myself that it was worth putting in the effort to learn all these technological things I need to learn. Because yes, podcast is the perfect medium for what I want to accomplish. So I started working. Even in the three weeks that we were in Australia recently, I was working on content lists, guest lists, writing emails, recruiting people. We were, we, my husband and I, we're researching microphones and things. We ended up buying the microphone I'm talking into right now in Australia, along with the computer I'm recording on right now, because the Aussie dollar was so good. Thank you, Aussie dollars, for all this equipment. And then we came home and I was ready to go. But this time in our life, the schools were suddenly all closed. Daycares were closed. My husband was told, work from home. He turns our bedroom into an office. And I... I had a choice to make. I thought, okay, do I just put this on the back burner? The only people who know about it are like friends and the entrepreneur group here, and they know delays happen. I'm really the only one that needs to hold myself accountable to this, and I have an out, but I didn't want to take it because I reflected back on why did I want to do this in the first place? I needed this creative outlet. But in my time in Australia, as I was coming up with taglines and considering guest lists and content lists, another purpose came out. And it wasn't about me anymore. It was about starting a conversation. It was about providing content to help people see that the differences between us are what make life more interesting. And I really wanted to push forward and start those conversations for myself and my own education. I love learning. That's why I read so much and I travel. And I thought, I can't be the only one out there who loves to learn and wants to grow from these experiences and these conversations. And I would love to help facilitate more of that. So I need to push through the difficulty of this current situation and make it happen. And so that's what, that's what I did. So I started recording interviews after the kids went to bed. I edit during my husband's lunch break when he can take over helping out with the kids a little bit. And on the weekends, I write all the other content that can be used throughout the week. And I just decided to make it work. And I hope, I hope you've been enjoying it. I hope that the content I'm creating is serving that purpose to start conversations and help you engage in things maybe you haven't thought of before or you have thought of before and now you know you're not the only one. You feel seen. You feel a connection maybe. And that's the goal that I want to push forward with as I continue to make this podcast for as long as I'm allowed to do that and capable of doing that. The same friend that... (laughs) said, well, what about a podcast? Said that I should address the question of what were my concerns about my ability to balance cultures when I went to publish because she was someone that I was leaving Voxer messages for. (laughs) Just before I hit publish on my first episode, I went into this nervous tailspin because I do want to start conversations. I want us to keep learning together about ourselves, about others, about the space in between. I want to make sure I provide a mix of perspectives and topics, and I will continue to work on that every week because I'm not balanced. I know that. This is one of the reasons I wanted the title to be Balancing, 
because it's a process. It's not an endpoint. And despite my travel and living abroad and all of these things, I am not the perfect example of balancing cultures, but that is something I want to continually work on. I want to continually seek out conversations, connections, a sense of community through what we have in common, even when we're different, and to find joy in our differences. Well, to bring it back to the tagline, to see that differences can make life more interesting. I guess that's part of the answer for my final question, the question that I ask most people on most episodes, what is my favorite part of the balancing? Even before I lived abroad, married a Finn and started raising our trilingual kids, I loved the balancing. Growing up, I was always looking for a place to fit in, but now I know it's not just one place. I, I feel like myself in a lot of different places because I feel like I'm more than one version of myself. I know that sounds funny. So for example, part of me is American. I will never stop being American. That's part of me. So when I'm in America, I enjoy my time there. And that feels like home in a way. But I love living in Germany. There is a part of me that really connects with Germany and I feel home here. Another part of me finds home in my Nordic connection through my husband, and I find joy through that. And of course, Australia stole a piece of my heart, along with a lot of the other places I've traveled to around the world. And I feel like home, or I feel at home, because they provide for all these different parts of me. And it's not just international travel. I grew and became more like my true self through high school theater being a part of Penn State's humor magazine and being a writer there and then an editor, being a tour guide, and especially being a tour guide at Dachau Concentration Camp Memorial Site and understanding more about myself through that process. Also, leading outdoor ed in the mountains. You learn a lot about yourself taking 108th graders to the mountains. I also found a piece of myself while coaching students in speech and debate. Another part of me when I joined my mom group and book clubs and recently with the local woman entrepreneurs group. I feel like every time I expose myself and interact with people outside of my family, I learn more about not just the world, but myself. I guess that's what I love about the balancing is the more I experience, the more I attempt to balance and learn, the more I know about myself and hopefully the more I become the best possible version of myself. That's the hope. I talked in a recent episode and a recent interview about legacy, and I've always thought that my legacy would be my kids, and they are, and I think that's really important, but something I learned when my dad died and we had the funeral was that legacy is not just family. Legacy is every single person that you've had the potential to have a positive impact on. At my dad's funeral, it was packed. People literally flew in to be there to show how much he meant to them. In only 45 years, he was able to pack an entire church where we had to get folding chairs and put people in the foyer. And I just hope that in 45 years, I'll be able to have the same impact that I'll be able 
to positively impact enough people that they would want to show up for me. And I hope that this platform and this medium is one of the ways that I can start doing that. A big thank you to myself. Yeah, me. (laughs) Thank you for listening. It was nice to let you know a little bit more about me. I hope that in one of the many stories I told that you found some type of connection. And I look forward to sharing more with you as the episodes continue. This was Balancing Cultures, and I'm Megan Kitchen. (laughs) 